morning, good afternoon, or evening, as we have people who are dialed in from all over the world listening to our educational presentation and podcast on the recognition industry and employee recognition. I'm Elliot Clark, the CEO of HRO Today. We publish HRO Today magazine. We produce the HRO Today forums held around the world and related topical conferences on human resources, and we're the managers of the HRO Today Association. Today, we're going to talk about employee recognition programs, and we're going to talk about choices that you as a buyer have. Now, not all providers offer these options to you, but we have a great provider on our program that does offer these options to help explain and educate our audience about their choices when it comes to employee recognition services. Alex Alaminos is the CEO of Madison Performance Group. They are a leading provider of employee recognition and reward programs. I'll have Alex tell a little more about the company, just a little bit on Alex. Alex is responsible for all global operations, business strategy, and product development. He's got more than two decades of operational and financial management experience. Uh, Under Alex's leadership, he has driven year-over-year double-digit growth while observing very stringent operational service standards, and we see that on our uh, HR Today Baker's Dozen survey. They have phenomenal service scores. He's also spearheaded the development and implementation of many groundbreaking proprietary recognition management tools and techniques for Madison, including the introduction of their award-winning social employee recognition technology, Maestro. Prior to Madison, Alex co-founded a corporate finance and investor relations consulting firm. He is a graduate of Farley Dickinson University with a degree in finance. So, Alex, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit more about Madison. I touched briefly on it, but I'd love to uh, have you explain to our audience who you folks are. Thank you very much, Elliot. And again, I'm very pleased to be part of this podcast and hope that we could accomplish what we're set for for today. So we are a recognized global leader in the employee social recognition space. We've been headquartered in New York, now global offices in Hyderabad, India. Dublin, Ireland, and Buenos Aires. And this has been part of our global expansion over the last 15, 20 years. We service clients in many countries. And where there is a need, we typically do local representation by incorporating within that country and add benefits to clients about for billing purposes and on-ground support. We have been in this industry or business for over four decades. So we are a very well-recognized organization that started back in the days where it was custom development of employee recognition programs. But what we do are very intuitive, multifaceted employee recognition, sales incentives, service anniversary programs, today powered by our social recognition SaaS solution, which is trademark under Maestro, which is a uniquely configurable cloud-based SaaS technology. We're fortunate enough to have been in business for so many years that we have over 5 million users in nearly 80 clients in 160 countries worldwide. So we are fortunate enough also to have pioneered many firsts for our industry. One of them was the in-country fulfillment over 20 years ago, which is the model that's followed today by all suppliers in the industry. We've also been fortunate enough to have been honored by many industry awards for our technology, but more importantly, the HRO Baker's Dozen, where we were ranked number one in 2019. We've been ranked number one two other years prior, and over the last eight years have been ranked 
in the top five. So we're very pleased to be honored with this award. And it's an award that for us is extremely important because it talks to our dedicated service that we provide to our clients globally. Well, thank you. And, and certainly, you know, we see your great service and, and that comes through and, and that award comes from your customers ranking you in a uh, relative ranking compared to what other customers are ranking other providers. So you guys are uniquely positioned to discuss this topic. Now, in the employee recognition industry, there, much of the recent conversation has been about social recognition, but financial rewards still have a strong impact on employee behaviors. And, you know, in addition to the incentive award, there's tenure-based service awards. Many of these come through as the form of some kind of financial remuneration. As HR departments are considering a service provider, whether it's Madison or another one of your competitors, there are two models. One model, which is the term billing on issuance, and then the term billing on redemption. One model bills the client at the time of the service engagement, while the other is redeemed by the employee. Why don't you explain the two models and how they work so the audience understands what the options are in the marketplace? Sure. So this is an important topic, not only when we go to market to have presentations with prospects and providing our experience and our thought leadership behind, but it's also very important during the implementation process. So in our industry today, as Elliot, as you mentioned, there are two billing models. The first billing model is the traditional bill on redemption. So this is the model that having been in business for four decades, we started with back in the early 70s. And this model allows for billing on points redeemed only. It's very simple. A user issues an award to a recipient. The recipient receives that award and only when those points or points associated to awards or awards are redeemed, then the client is billed for that transaction. And that's the simplest of billing models. And that's the one that the industry is very accustomed to. The second billing model is called bill on issuance. This model came, in my opinion, to our industry as part of the SaaS revolution about 10 years ago. And from my point of view, it came from the new suppliers coming into the space that were trying to decouple themselves from the traditional redemption model, which is an employee receives points and they redeem a gift card or merchandise. This association, in my opinion, came from multiple aspects. We had these newcomers to the industry that were trying to change the model again into a technology model simply because many of them were looking to take these organizations public and by decoupling redemption and focusing on issuance at the time it was thought that these companies would ultimately be able to go public many of them that tried this over the last 10 years have failed because issuance is always connected to redemption and you know it's, it gets a little complex but ultimately whether you are on a billing on issuance model or billing on redemption model in our industry, the revenue is recognized on the redemption side, even if you do billing on issuance. What it does is give organization the cash flow that they may need, organizations that are billing on issuance and go to market on that aspect, technically sits on these funds until they're redeemed. So again, to simplify the billing on issuance model, this one is a user issues an award, a recipient receives the award, and then the client is automatically billed. BOI so whether is, it's redeemed or not, the correct. client's billed, that gift card might sit in a drawer for two years, but that client is billed at the moment that that gift card is quote unquote issued. Well, let's, let, let's, let me define that better. So when an employee receives an award from their manager, and that award may be for 100 points, and then in the U.S., those 100 points equal $100, as the recipient of that award, I don't redeem it on day one. I could redeem it a year out. 
the billing of that issuance is done within the month of issuance. So it's not connected to an actual item redeemed like a gift card or merchandise. And that's the biggest difference between bill on redemption versus billing on issuance. So just to add a little bit more, so the suppliers that use the billing on issuance model recognize the revenue, again, based on redemption. This is one of the things that was, the, uh, in my opinion, the failure of organizations trying to disassociate uh, revenue into issuance in order to make this industry not technically one that is just in the process of fulfillment because we are delivering very sophisticated technology. That billing model also changed into a per user per seat, which is very much under the SaaS umbrella of billing. So the question is, why are these organizations, including us, because we offer and we're flexible, we offer clients both models, why are they pushing only BOI? So ultimately it helps with cash flow. They bank on users not redeeming points prior to terminating their employment or post because depending on how the client is taxing the employee, if you're taxing on issuance, the employee owns those points and organizations that do billing on issuance have to extend external storefronts for employees to redeem and hope ultimately to disassociate the true revenue, as I mentioned, from the redemption in an effort to go public. So this is the birth of the billing on issuance model, as I see it, into our industry. And there is no right or wrong, but we do give guidance to organizations on what is the best model for them. And that's typically how we start with our implementation. It involves around taxation, how a client wants to tax, whether they want to accrue for the actual expense or they don't want to accrue. And all these things factor in onto which is the best methodology for the organization. But we have our own thought behind that and, and we provide guidance to our clients. You know, as someone who, uh, you know, actually helped take an HR technology company public, I sometimes get called on or get the opportunity to consult to some of the different investment groups. And one of them asked me for an opinion on a deal they were looking at. And the investment, uh, the organization was in the recognition industry. They were contemplating investment. But one of the things that I questioned was, there was a $44 million entry, and I don't want to bore our HR audience with a lot of talk about accounting, but $44 million payable on the balance sheet that we later were able to verify was, in fact, what this recognition company owed to the employees Correct. of their clients. Correct. Right? So this was unredeemed gift cards. Yeah. Over $40 million on their balance sheet, yeah. there was an account payable for employees of companies that had contracted with them. Correct. And, and, and again, not to add and bore, and bore the, the listeners, but you know, in our industry, that's what's called excess billing over cost, which is something that is a balance sheet item is sitting there as a liability that eventually organizations have to pay out. But yes, that is, that's part of the billing on issuance uh, concept. Yep. So now I guess the question is that if you're an HR buyer, not all the vendors offer the option of one way or the other, but clearly you, you guys, because you offer both, feel it should matter to the client. So give me a sense of what, when you're counseling a client, what are the advantages of one model versus another bottle? Because I don't think buyers fully understand this. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think I want to add something before I get to that. So having been in the industry for over four decades and coming from a custom environment to 
a SaaS solution that is extremely and highly configurable. Our culture is one that's based on very client-centric and client-focused. So the last thing we want to do for any new client is limit any expectations they may have and how they want to manage. And as part of that, we offer the flexibility. So we are one, if not a few of the suppliers in the space that still offer both billing on issuance and billing on redemption. And here's why that's important in my mind. So while both billing methods yield benefits to organizations, and I'm going to go give you a quick pros and cons, the billing on redemption provides ultimately a no-risk approach. And what I mean by no risk is billing on redemption ensures that a client is always protected and only pays for points once they have redeemed. Now, there's a good fit for BOI and there's a good fit for BOR. So I'm going to kind of give you what our thought practice is on that for newly acquired clients. We go through a pros and cons. I'm going to say, so let's go through billing on redemption. And what are the pros on that? It's no financial risk. You pay as points are redeemed or redemption takes place. You can still tax on issuance or redemption. That's not coupled with billing on issuance or billing on redemption. So whether you want to gross up as an organization or not, or you can be billed on redemption, but tax on issuance. And the cons on this is only that you require to have a financial, your financial group set up accruals. So for any points that have issued and not redeemed, you're running a basically a, a liability on the balance sheet for potential points that can redeem. On billing on issuance, pros are it requires no financial accrual. And you can still tax on issuance or redemption. The cons to this, and this is one of the things that we always want to make sure that our clients are aware, is obviously the financial risk. And although we are a financially stable company that have been around for four decades, I can tell you that in the last 10 years, you and I probably have a list of organizations that are no longer present today that have impacted the industry and impacted organizations because of their insolvency. So the cons, in my opinion, is you're paying on issuance, provides no financial protection, and ultimately, this can yield on breakage to these organizations that may impact your employees or your prior employees or employees that are no longer with your organization. So I want to give you an example. I think that it's an important one. So let's give you an example of a newly acquired client that has an annual budget spend of $5 million and chooses to go with BOI with us or any supplier. So in year one, that organization is issuing $5 million in awards. And typically what we see in well-communicated programs in year two and year three is about a 70 to 80% ratio between issuance to redemption. But for the purposes of this exercise, let's use 70%. So on year one, $5 million are issued, $5 million are billed to a client. Only 70% of those points redeemed, three and a half million of those points are paid out in gift cards and merchandise and everything that is offered in storefronts. And the supplier is now sitting with one and a half million dollars. Over a three-year contract, the supplier is sitting with well over $4.5 million sitting in their bank and sitting in their balance sheet, as you mentioned, Elliot. And this is kind of like the risk. Is it, what is most important for an organization? The ability to have to run an accrual or the ability not to have to run an accrual and whether they feel comfortable with the organization that they're choosing to be financially stable and be able to meet the commitments of their contractual obligations. So which clients should consider which method? I, this is where we 
give guidance to our clients and say, if your annual funding is less than $3 million a year, you should consider BOI as something that if it's beneficial, if your financial group, your legal teams, and the entire leadership is on board with a BOI model. But for annual spends greater than $3 million, we recommend the billing on redemption. Again, there's no right or wrong when selecting the billing method. Again, this is our guidance to organizations, and sometimes these organizations still feel comfortable and want to go with BOI. But we always recommend that organizations that are evaluating suppliers do due diligence and ensure that they're selecting the right and financially stable organization. I think that is key and critical and to make sure that they are accountable for any excess billing that's sitting in any supplier and they know what's going on with points, that they understand how employees have access to those points, what happens when they're no longer with the organization, and how they can have access to those points, and how those organizations are accountable back to their clients on the accountability of all these uh, liabilities that are sitting in a balance sheet. And that's really the difference. So there are benefits to both, Elliot, to be honest with you. I think that depending on the organization, depending on their due diligence, depending on how much their spend is, there's an argument for both. But I have a financial background, as you know, and I would yield always if I had to make a choice in the future for billing on redemption always versus billing on issuance. So some great points there. And, you know, depending on how agreements are written, and this is where I am concerned that buyers don't understand. Let's go back to that company with the $44 million payable to the employees of clients. If they, and, and by the way, that company has traded owners many, many times since I looked at it about five, six years ago, was sold more than once. If in fact the provider went out of business, wouldn't the employer be liable to pay that again to the employees who were holding those points? Uh, technically, so, yes. T- yes, technically, yes. Es- especially and, and I, if, if you're on a taxation on issuance model, so you've mm-hmm. taxed the employee and technically you're liable. So given that, I think it's important for the people listening to this podcast to think about not only which model works for you, but making sure that your language protects you from that financial eventuality. Okay. So this has been a very informative podcast. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us to uh, explain the model. And once again, folks, Madison Performance is our top ranked in, in several of the last five years has been one of the most highly ranked providers, if not number one in the industry because of their strong service culture. So, you know, I want to thank Alex, who's an expert in these areas. And I notice you keep saying the company's been around four decades, but you won't admit how long you've been doing it, which I know is quite a while. (laughs) So uh, I want to thank Alex for taking part and we'll look forward to having you join our next educational podcast from HRO Today. This is Elliot Clark. Thank you. And I hope you enjoyed the presentation.